Welcome back to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. On today's episode, I'll be having a Nuggets gasm. I'm going back into the deep dive of the history books. I don't know if many books exist on the Denver Nuggets, but this is going to be your audio version of the Denver Nuggets history in five to ten minutes. Um, we're going to do the best we can there, try to sum all that up uh, and tie it in a nice bow as the Nuggets are moving on to their first ever NBA Finals appearance. Had been to the Western Conference Finals five different times, never got over the hump. Played the Lakers in every single appearance, fun fact. Uh, they they were the team they had to beat to get over the hump, and they finally did it. So, of course, my Nuggets are in a great spot. Mitch's Celtics, not in a great spot, but they're not dead yet. We're also going to touch on them. And Mitch is going to share the history of teams who almost came back from a 3-0 deficit. And we'll obviously talk about if the Celtics can do that um, this year. So lots to go in today's podcast, lots of history. Really looking forward to that component. Um, It's going to be a good one. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back. Mitch's Celtics are alive. My Nuggets <clears throat> are in the finals. I don't even know. I I feel like I mean, I they're definitely alive. Whiskey right now. <laughs> uh, they're they couldn't be more alive. Uh, the franchise has been resurrected from the dead by one Nikola Jokic, uh, and your Celtics are slowly putting their bodies back together in hopes of not becoming the zombie Celtics because uh, they're playing the zombie Heat right now, Mitch. And yep. The apocalypse is coming. Uh, how are, how are you feeling right now? Down three to one. You know, Aaron, I've I've thought about trying to figure out a comparison for this, and I've come to this. Season eight of Game of Thrones, episode three, when the frozen hmm. army comes yes. upon Winterfell. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> Undermanned, undersized, and we are playing the zombies, and yet. Who ends up on top? The damn Celtics. No, I don't know. I, I'm 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 here. I'm just happy we won a game. I'll take the gentleman sweep. We'll get into my Celtics a little bit later, more so just like the history of everything. What I will say is I'm encouraged by how game four went. Boy, do I just want it. I I know if we win game five, I'm gonna be all back in. I'm I will yes. be all the way back in. I know I texted you, Aaron. I mean you, Adam, Austin, and Evan today about it. I was like, I think I'm almost there. I'm I think I'm almost <laughs> ready for this. And then you were like, This is just disappointing knowing my sports karma, just knowing how badly yes. this is gonna go over. But I'm ready for it. I'm ready for this to all go down in a burning a burning a pile of flame. But enough <laughs> about enough about my team that somehow it had the defibrillator put on them and finally rose them back to life your nuggets Aaron for the first time in in their history are heading to the NBA finals you touched and you took my took my favorite part about this they finally beat the Lakers after playing them five different times in the conference finals do you have all five times right in front of you because I want to guess them because I I, yes okay please please guess dude I I spent the last few hours just basically writing a book on the nuggets in my google doc so please Fire away. So obviously 2023, you can go yes. backwards. That's probably going to be easier for you. That will be easier for me. So it's 2023 and then it's 2020 to so the bubble year. Yep. And then this is where I'm going to get tripped up. It's either, is it 2008? No, 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 no. Yes. Wait, is it 2008, 2009? 2009. 
Okay, okay. Because, yeah, 2008. The back half, the second of the Lakers championships. No, that's the first of the Lakers championships. Well, yeah, I guess 2009, 2010, sorry. Yeah, 2008 is when they lost the Celtics. Um, and then, is it is it 84? 85. Well, 84, 85. I think it's yeah. 84, 85, technically. Yeah. Because so, I, I don't, I, mean, I, don't right th- I was going to say, it's not 83, 84, because I think that was... I'm trying to remember who that might have been. 1985, they lost to the Lakers again, and Kareem Magic Lakers. Right. This is where I lose. I don't remember the fifth one though. Yeah, this was early. This was okay. Uh, so was this 19? This would have been 1980. 1978. Oh. 1977 to 1978 season. The second, and this was when the conference was only two rounds. So they only had won one series to get the Western Conference Finals. So big mm. asterisk. Um, they ended up losing to Seattle. This was the second year of Denver. In, oh, uh, so it was the NBA. second. Oh, and the second, it was, so it was the first round technically, but it was the semifinals. Because they, well, they lost well, to they, Seattle. So they, they they won their first round series and then they, they moved on to the second round, which was the Western Conference Finals. Uh, so they only gotcha. had two two rounds until the finals. That's right. Okay, okay. So I one year off in the eighty four eighty five. Technically, I had it, but you know we're not gonna call. It. And then I could not remember. I couldn't remember the first one because that would have been David Thompson, Dan Issel, yep. Nuggets, and that would have been pre Magic Lakers. Mm-hmm. That would have been Kareem and Jamal Wilkes. Yep, that's miserable. And Dantley, I think Adrian. Oh, Dantley, right. Was he on those Lakers teams? He was. He was on that year at least. That's right, because he was on the Buffalo. Shoot, Buffalo Braves, I think, was what he was on before, and then he went to the Lakers, and then he went to the Jazz. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. And then we go to the Pistons, and then he's on the Mavericks. I don't know why I need to run out the whole Adrian Dantley. I mean, um, you did a really good job remembering reference. that stuff. I, because I, I would have, I, I would have only, only known the last three going into this podcast. Well, because he was on the all right here, all right last nerd because he was on the Braves, I believe, with Bob McAdoo. Mm. I think that would have been Bob McAdoo Braves if I'm remembering correctly, but I might also be wrong. Not the point. Back to your Nuggets. We need to get back on the on track. They finally beat the. They finally beat. The Western Conference juggernaut that has it totally just told, I mean, has reigned supreme in the Western Conference since the inception of the NBA. And so you've finally taken them down. You've took down one of the best players of all time in LeBron James, who played 48 minutes in game four, one of the best big men in the league in Anthony Davis, and apparently one of the best white guys to ever live, I mean, play the sport of basketball in Austin Reeves. I mean, it's 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 incredible, and I'm, I'm one. I'm happy for you. And who would have thought, Aaron? The first two years of the Hoopers Almanac, both of our teams make the finals. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a time to be alive for us. Uh, <laughs> Timed and, it perfectly. Yeah, really. Uh, totally. This was in the cards. This was in the Hoopers Almanac NBA co-script uh, when we <laughs> created this podcast. Um, dude, it's been crazy. I I hope my Nuggets fare better in the finals than yours uh, Celtics did last year. Um, For my sake, I hope the Heat make the finals, not only because I think it would be a better matchup for us, but two, because then you can root for the Nuggets and I would appreciate (laughs) your support in this endeavor. (laughs) You Um, would have it if it's the, if it's the Heat that make it. Cause I, I cannot F in good conscience cheer for the stupid Heat team. Anyways. Yeah. And we're going to get to the Heat. Uh, and the Celtics in, you know, 
in in very much detail because that series is becoming intriguing thankfully uh the yeah. first two games of that series were were fun competitive yeah. games and then game three we were like all right what's happening like you heard all the woes reports and the shams yeah. reports of like uh, you know, there's a lot of friction in the locker room. There's thoughts within the organization that Missoula is going to be fired. You know, all of that, like basically yeah. reports as if the season was already over. And I was like, all right, just let's see if the Celtics can win this game first before we start giving these reports. But yeah. um, that is a story for 30 minutes from now or so, Mitch, uh, because I'm about to have, as I said, in the open, my Nuggets gasm here. I spent a couple hours going into the Nuggets history. I became a fan of the Nuggets Basically, near the beginning of the Mellow era, um, my NBA fandom kind of was a dual fandom of our two teams, Mitch, the Celtics yeah. and the Nuggets. Those were the two teams I fell in love with. Um, Mellow made me a Nuggets fan, and I would say Paul Pierce, of course, made me a Celtics fan, and I just sort of followed those guys around um, through the 2000s. Um, but before that, I think is really interesting. I mean, so you had, the, starting all the way back at the beginning of the franchise, they've been a franchise for 47 years, right? Right. Um, 29 playoff appearances, zero championship appearances, obviously, therefore zero championships. And the, the guy that got it over the hump is maybe the most like cognitively dissonant player of all, all time. Like a guy you're watching and you're like, is he actually good or like, how does this work? And I think that's what's throwing people for a loop. Um, before we, I sort of get into the story time, Mitch, I, I want you to speak to this a bit because. When I look back at Nuggets history, you have absolute athletic studs, unquestioned mm -hmm. scores of their time, mm -hmm. uh, great players of their time, never really succeeded in ways. But during his peak, Melo was maybe the best scorer in the NBA. Mm -hmm. LeBron James was the best player. I would say Melo was the best scorer in the NBA for a couple sure. of years there. He led the league in scoring once he and actually was in New York. Right. Um, different era. But like what he could do in Denver with his athleticism was not matched when he was in New York. David Thompson, Alex English, those guys obviously were studs. Some great defensive players in Dikim and Batumbo came through the Nuggets franchise, but never a guy like Jokic. Jokic is already the best Nugget of all time, but he's also, from an outward appearance, like the most confusing Nugget of all time. How would you describe like what this means from a historical perspective? Do you think we've seen anything like this before? I don't know if we've ever seen a man look like he's playing basketball in flip-flops. That is literally <laughs> looks every I saw that tweet today. I was like, it looks That's like Nikola Jokic is playing like that, that wild shot that he hits over 80. It looks like he's just falling in flip-flops taking that shot. I will say the only comparison that I've ever had for Nikola Jokic, and it's not even a good one anymore, is Bill Walton. Bill Walton would be the best comparison I have for him because one of their incredible passing ability to include others in the offense. Like I, I know originally I had given this team like a comparison of that 2011 Mavericks team. And I do agree with that, but I think the difference between Dirk and Jokic is Jokic's ability to create for others. And Dirk could do that, but not as well as Jokic can. And we'll get into some Dirk stuff later, but that's what Bill Walton could do. Bill Walton could create so much for his teammates, um, especially when they won that title uh, back in 77 um, against the Sixers. That's like when you kind of realize how great Bill Walton was. It took some years um, after being drafted, but and that's kind of what we're seeing with Jokic. I think Jokic has this ability – because I think it's – the reason why no one wants to talk about Jokic is because no, Jokic doesn't care about the fandom. Jokic doesn't want to care about what people think about him. Um, 
Yeah. The thing is, I would say that there is a that's and that's what's so different about like why the media didn't want to talk about him over the last week um, with the whole Lakers situation. That's why, um, you know, when you compare him to the greatest uh, other great Nuggets of all time, it's hard to say that he's the great. I will agree with you that he's the greatest Nugget of all time, especially now that he's the, finally the first one to get him over into the finals. But I think there's still that like hesitancy for, well, what about Melo? Or, God forbid, we three. I mean, we could bring in the. The guard, the wingman of David Thompson and Alex English. I think it really is coming down to Melo and Jokic, and Wildly, they were the same number um, on the Nuggets, which is a crazy thing that we'll we'll have to like decide who gets that number whenever it's retired. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's fairly simple. This is the greatest Nugget of all time, and the comparison is Bill Walton. And honestly, to that '77 team, um, you're you're getting a great chance i mean they they were clearly the best team in the western conference they showed it um and you're going up against an eastern conference that's going to be bent and broken whether it's the the heat or the celtics you're you're, you're not getting the matchup that you expected in like the bucks you're not getting the incredible center matchup that you could have had if mb decided to show up in the playoffs um so i think this is a, I think that 77 Blazers team is a great comparison, not only because of Bill Walton, but what also this kind of year has kind of uh, shown to me, like his kind of, it's you've yeah. seen just in like the history books. And that was the beginning. Bill Walton ended the Nuggets first playoff run. And uh, when they entered the league with David Thompson, the coach, do you know who the coach was for that first Nuggets team? First coach for the Nuggets? I don't. Who was it? Larry Brown. I do know that. I'm so yes. mad at myself. That was like, yeah, that was like Larry Brown's first coaching gig. And th- yep. then he went on the coach for the next 40 years. He was in his jean overalls on the bench, a different era. I saw a photo, oh, old photo God. today. That was an awesome, awesome photo. But David Thompson, probably the, uh, I mean, second best scorer in Nuggets history behind Alex English, but the first great Nugget. Dan Issel, the horse, played for forever, coached the Nuggets twice. You mentioned Kiki Vandeway before we got on the pod. He was a great scorer for a few years in Denver. But basically, really during that time, was only four years. Like the David Thompson era is what I'd call it. They lost to Bill Walton's Blazers, lost in the Western Conference Finals to Seattle, and then lost to Kareem in 79. And then you had a great decade with Alex English from 80 to 90, basically the 80s. Leading scorer of all time. This would be the argument for the greatest nugget of all time is Alex English. Yeah. Um. The only player, I believe, to lead the league in scoring in a Denver Nuggets uniform um, was joined by a really good ball distributor, point guard and fat lever. Um, yeah. And they were really like a really good, consistent playoff team. Um, but they ran into the Lakers and the Rockets, a dominant uh, two dominant teams of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only made the Western Conference Finals once, as, as we talked about in 85. So... Other than that, you know, not a whole lot of playoff success, but despite great individual success from that team. Um, and then it basically like falls off a cliff until mellow, like post that one good year with Matumbo. Right. So there were five. Yeah. Matumbo was there for five years. Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, a.k.a. Chris Jackson um, was there. I mean, those were some fun teams. Um, they made the playoffs twice, though, like. Mm-hmm. From 1991 to 2003, Mitch, they made the playoffs twice. <laughs> wild. It's just wild. Do you want to know, like, some of these records 
Uh, they had 11 oh. wins one year. They were 11 I, and 71. Do you remember that? All right. So you remember the year that the Sixers and the Bobcats were both going for like the worst records of all time. That's the only reason mm-hmm. I know how bad that Nuggets team was because of how bad they had that 11. What was it? 11 and 61? 71. It was 71. I was going to say, season. I was like, what the heck? Wait, I was like, there's no way. I don't remember a year they played 72. Okay. 11 and 71. That is, what year was that? Would that have been? That was the year we were born, 1997 to 1998. Um, oh, my Lord. That's miserable. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, no wonder there aren't a lot of Nuggets fans out there watching on League Pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had our leading scorer was Eric Williams. No idea. For, yeah, I mean, basically our best player, I would say, was probably Lafonso Ellis. Okay, so, there we go. Yeah, Lafonso um, Ellis was there for a minute. Yeah, he was solid, and he was a, a well-known nugget for a while. So, yeah, but I mean, I call that era basically the dark days, right? Like, absolutely. We had two guys who were fun in Matumbo and uh, Raouf, but Matumbo is not really known as a nugget. Like, that was kind of the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some awesome photos in him in the Nuggets jerseys, and you know, it was great that he started a career there. But there were nine different coaches to coach the Nuggets during that period too. Like, it was very tumultuous. And then my guy comes in, the guy who made me love the Denver Nuggets, Carmelo Anthony in 03. And they made the playoffs every single year he was there, like the complete opposite um, of that previous period. The issue was they only made it. Do you know how many times they made it past the first round, Mitch? What? And when he was there? Yeah. From 03 to 2010, I guess, because 2011, he wasn't even, he got traded midseason. I would say like three. They made it past the first round once, and that year they went to the Western Conference Finals. Wait, I was hold back. on. <laughs> yeah, I was looking back. They made it past the first round once, Mitch. Well, that's already more than Tracy McGrady did, but holy shnikes. What I was like, earth? I mean, they had really talented teams. Like, uh, George Carl was their coach for most of that period. Um, Allen Iverson, really? Chauncey Billups, J.R. Smith, Marcus, Marcus Camby, Kenyon Martin. Like, Nene. Really, really good, um, like role uh, other secondary and third stars, and pretty good role players throughout that period. So, that kind of speaks to I've always talked about with you and some other people. I don't really align with the hatred that Denver Nuggets fans have for Melo, despite the weird exit. But, like, reading that number, I was like, man, <laughs> I kind of understand it a bit more now. I don't still believe it, but the fact that he only sure. made it out the uh, first round well, once is pretty damning. Aaron, you should kind of believe it because it's in writing and it happened. I think you should just believe that. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm just believing, like, in terms of believe the Nuggets' beliefs, the oh. Nuggets fans' belief of, you know, disliking Melo to that extent. But the Gosh. lack of playoff success is certainly there. Um, albeit, in that 09-010 season, like, they were awesome. They very well could have beat the Lakers in that Western Conference Finals Mm-hmm. Um, they cruised the first two rounds, beat Chris Paul's Hornets. Uh, what do you know? Chris Paul losing a playoff series. Shocker. Dirk's Mavs, right? Um, the year the year before, the two years before, they ended mm-hmm. up, he finally get uh, got over the hump with that team. And then they took LA to six games. They really had, I think, two or three point losses in games one and three. Mm-hmm. And they were tied going into game five in the series. So like if they, those, even when one of those swing games would have been huge. Um, and then the Lakers go on to win another title. Um, but that was a pretty pivotal moment too. And basically the closest the Nuggets had been to the finals before this right. year. 
Yeah, it's that 20. I, I'm remembering that 2009 run more mm-hmm. and more now because I'm remembering that Maverick series and I'm remembering because that was always like, if I'm remembering correctly, that was always the game that was before the Celtics, like second round against the, the Magic. Because mm. that's who we played in the second or in the conference finals. Because I'm remembering that was a fun Magic team. God, that Magic team pissed me off so much just because I, I was a big fan of them. Hito Turkaloo. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, I liked them. It sucked that Nelson got hurt before the finals and they had to play Ray for Alston and mm-hmm. against the Lakers. Just sucked because you're like, man, you're missing your second best player practically. And your best player has one post move and it's literally, let's do a hook shot and it's barely there. If Dwight Howard had more post moves, we'd be talking about him more, but we're not here or there. But the yes, Nuggets never, history. He, he, he never went to Hakeem Olajuwon camp. Oh, he never he never went to freaking David Robinson camp. Like the man, the man could have learned from just like there's like 18 centers like in the 20 years before you, you could have learned from. But nah, nah, you just were like, nah, I'm out. The the craziness that is the Nuggets history is so much fun to look at, though. Like you're right, that 90s stretch where there's nothing, absolutely nothing. Is wild. But it's crazy. It's like desolate. It's like they weren't even a franchise. You weren't. You weren't. I, no. I literally can only remember like two or three players from that era. Of a uh, after Matumbo and Rove leave, like it's yeah desolate. Lafonso yeah, Lafonso Ellis, Ellis was yeah, the only one I could have known. Um, it's so nuts. But point still being that '80s team. You're right. That's one of my favorite teams to go back and look at. Is that '80s Nuggets team because. Yeah. You run into the chainsaw of the Rockets or the um, Lakers each year, and it just sucks because like you're running into one of the best franchises slash teams of all time in that in those Lakers teams, and then yeah. the Rockets who had the t- twin towers of uh, Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon. You were not rebounding against them. You could mm-hmm. score, but you couldn't rebound against them if you were missing shots. So it just was so tough for those teams. So it's fun to look at. I will I I I am I'm happy though that they like I said they beat the Lakers finally five but fifth time is the charm apparently against them but it is also right. wild that they that was the only time that was the only team they ever played in the conference finals I mean was yeah, that like that is a very yeah statistical obscurity and the second time they were they had home court against them like obviously most of the time they're underdogs who what was the other um, time they had home court the first time, oh, so they the against the Lakers and uh, the 70s. Thompson, uh, or sorry, yeah, the Thompson era. They lost Game Three on their home court. It was a weird three game series, and they lost Game Three on their home court against Korea. Wild, wild. So, but yeah, this this the Jokic era, which is going to go down, I think, is the best era in Nuggets basketball already, and it's only been eight years, right? Like, right. What this is showing me from looking back at from 2015 to now. What's also great is that Mike Malone, Michael Malone has been along for the whole ride. Like mm-hmm. I just I just like, even though I disagree with him sometimes and get frustrated, <laughs> I, I like how he has it's a perfect, you know, chapter for that. It is just he has been the coach and management. He said this in his post game interview after they won game four was like the ownership, which I know you don't like in St. Louis, has at least been patient with this team. Like there were so many opportunities 
for them to cut bait with Mike Malone at the very least. Um, you had changes in the general managers last year. Um, obviously, players moving in and out constantly. But basically, the two main stars have been there, and the head coach has been there. And there have been so many times, 18-19, uh, when they were the second seed in the Western Conference and got bounced in the second round. Like Even though they went to seven games, and I thought they were the better team in that series, we watched that game on my birthday at Fuzzies. I, was I remember that. <laughs> sad and uh, brutal, brutal game. Um, but God. that could have been an opportunity to quit. The year in 17-18, the year before, when they missed the playoffs in game 82. They I remember that. The Minnesota Timberwolves in overtime on the road <laughs> to go to the playoffs. And they were the ninth <laughs> seed by one game. Um, obviously, the last two years, when it's been Jokic and no help, and the playoffs, he won the yeah. MVP, but everybody was thinking, is he actually the MVP? You know, he got bounced in the first round and then he got swept in the second round those two years. Um, so the fact that even though ownership has severely underinvested in the franchise when it comes to like building the team facilities and all that stuff, um, which is pretty apparent if you follow some people in Nuggets Media, I commend their patience for this because I don't think a lot of franchises in today's NBA do that. And that's very clear with like what we're talking about with Joe Missoula right now. Year one, yes, you had high expectations, but man, you're in the West Eastern Conference Finals and you're on the chopping block. Crazy world. It It is crazy. And like, I feel bad for Joe Maz just a little bit because I'm like, they were talking about it. Like he hasn't had the opportunity to like, he didn't have the opportunity to choose his own coaching staff. This guy had a week yeah. or two before that was like interesting shit, the shit all went down. And so like he, he had no time. Like Steve and Gundy was talking about it on the pot on the, on the broadcast last night. He's like, think about it. I had usually like a month or two to plan what we were going to do for a season. Joe Missoula had two weeks post like Ime Yudoka announcement. And then basically was like, Oh, I have now 10 days to like figure out what I'm going to do with this team. It's kind of it's just wild that that's how it all went down. And then you lose your top assistant, Damon Stoudemire. It just sucks, and I feel bad for Joe Maz, and I don't want to blame him because I I don't want that to happen to him. What I will say is, watching your relationship with Michael Malone uh, just go through the <laughs> roller coaster is truly truly eye opening. Like to just talk about patience. Oh, I don't know how much patience you truly had for that man, but still for you to have the patience not to go throw a stapler at this man's head in Denver at any point is pretty, it's pretty uh, commending. Um, But no, I mean, you've, I will say your patience as a Nuggets fan, we went to that game in 2017 when 80 drops 40 and we're like, yeah, that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the year they missed the playoffs in game 82. Yeah. We just referenced. Yeah. Oh, no, that was 16, 17. That would have been that was still oh, a right, year because that was freshman year. Yep. Yeah, but that was like the year like the Blazers just barely made it. Um, just they made, made it to, the year that year. I think but that was like this. the first year where that was when uh, Nurkic got traded during the year, and that's when that you guys got Mason Plumley. And I remember you just being so mad uh, while we were watching one of those games. Um, you also had. Um, Shoot. Yo, oh, and also you had the years where I mean the games where Emmanuel Moutier was starting over yes. Jamal Murray. Um, we've had to be patient with Michael Porter Jr. Um and his continuous health issues. Um you had to be patient with the many different role guys you had to roll through there, whether it be 
Gary Harris or um, Will Barton uh, still cracking the name. Uh, that name still cracks this podcast somehow or second then, all time in, in uh, Nuggets history in three pointers. Will Barton, whatever. And then our good friend, uh, Frank Compazzo, uh, you know, you had to be really <laughs> patient with that man. God, the fact that that was your starting point guard at one point. Dude, just... I was looking back at the starting lineups in the, in what I call the shorthanded Jokic seasons uh in 2021 and 2022 um starters in the playoffs included austin rivers and faku Campazo. austin rivers is barely getting off the bench for the eight seed in the western conference austin rivers is hosting a podcast yes. for the ringer he's spending more time podcasting and faku Campazo barely made a roster i think he was sort of on the mavs roster but he yeah. like didn't really play he, it was weird he got cut he got cut like halfway yeah. through the year for um Isaiah Thomas, and then when Isaiah Thomas didn't make the roster after a 10-day contract, Faku Composo never saw a bench ever again, which is sad. Yeah. You don't see a bench. You just you just didn't make it the bench of a team. Just well, Barton wild. was cut this past year. Uh, he, got, he, he, made, he was playing in the playing game for the Raptors. Right. He was re-signed in the Raptors. It wasn't very good. In, no, in he, was bad on, he was bad on that Raptors team, too. Um, the man was still shooting under 40% from the field. Um our Still biggest is- off-season acquisition during this era was Paul Millsap from a from a uh, salary perspective, and <laughs> we got the ghost of Paul Millsap for most of that tenure. Unfortunately, you got you, got, you had a good you had a good one, Paul Millsap one, one good year in, in that year we were the second seed. Yes, um, yes, and that was great. But we literally got him. He made four. He's only four All Star appearances every year before we acquired him. <laughs> It's and then he just fell off a cliff. Uh, I do like Paul Millsap, though. Like, that's what that's what that's the point I wanted to get to all this with you. And I'm trying to think of other teams we can talk about. But I think in sports, especially, we think that teams grow on a linear trajectory because we get in these mindsets of trying to create a story and we want players to. All right. You go back to the lab. You had a tough out. You're going to be back and better next year. Celtics, you lose in the finals. All right. Next year, we're going to win it. This year, they might not even make the finals, you know, like the Hawks a couple years ago, make these conference finals, um, don't even make the playoffs the next year, right? Or get out in the first round, whatever yeah, it was. Eight seed, yeah. Um, out in the first round, tw- two years in a row since they made the Eastern Conference finals. The Nuggets, obviously, making the Western Conference finals in the bubble, two years in a row, basically don't even sniff that, that same uh, placement in the finals. So I think that's important whenever we talk about players and teams to remember that growth is not linear and this has been a long time coming all these guys that we've talked about that have frustrated the hell out of me over time have been crucial to i think building uh you know to, to what exists now and obviously they made great acquisitions with bruce brown and kcp guys along the fringes that actually make sense for this roster um but it's been cool to see like the up and down growth frustrating but mm-hmm. cool to see and kind of respecting that and realizing that at a certain point, you know, you're going to succeed at whatever point in time you're going to succeed. It's not going to happen in the year you expect it to. I think many folks doubted the Nuggets throughout this whole playoffs, but um, they're here and, and they're here to stay, hopefully, for the next couple of years. So um, are there any other teams that you think top of mind? I mean, I mentioned the Hawks, obviously the Celtics, perhaps a case this year, but other like non-linear growth trajectories i would say that happens a lot more often than we think mavs um, the mavs yeah mavs throughout their history i mean 
my I think the Dallas Mavericks like post 2000 are one of the greatest like up and down stories. I mean, and we kind of and I touch on them later on with we talk about like some of the great 3-0 comebacks uh, that don't that don't succeed, but like I think, you know, when you had the Ma- the Nash uh the Nash Novinsky years, I mean, you're always expecting them to make a run and yet they all they fell short every time because of injury. Um uh you go after Nash leaves, they they make the finals and then they fall. They that next year they're supposed to, they're the one seed and then they lose the first round. They have so many issues making it out of the first round and then they finally do it in 2011 and they finally win it and then they're right back down to only making it they can't make it out of the first or second round. It's crazy that that's like kind of how the trajectory was because Nowitzki was always making the playoffs it seemed like but it was never like as a high seed unless it was that 2007 year where they are uh yeah the 2007 year where they were the one seed and then lost and then they or it was the 2011 year where they ended up winning it all so kind of crazy that's a good point because i the the losing as a one seed is an important (laughs) caveat uh bump in the road there um I would say the Jazz, too, in recent history, like Ooh. with those one seeds, I think I, I was always a doubter. And maybe that team was just frauds to begin with. But like being the sixth seed in the bubble, right, having that super fun run, it looked like they were maybe going to upset, should have upset the Nuggets, like probably could have given the given the Clippers a run. And then we're kind of cream of the crop in the West for a couple of years there, but Jeez, just yeah. never really got there. Um, and then now they fell off and they're rebuilding. So that's also kind of a weird franchise. Obviously, they made it to the finals a few times, but um, in this most recent era, that, that was kind of a bumpy road too. They've made one conference finals since those two finals trips, and it was when they beat the We Believe Warriors in 2007, which yep. I should have known Karolinko. that. I should have yep. known that. Gosh dang it. I should have known. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Yep. Anyways, go on. Yeah, they, Adam they, Johnson they, and I were talking about that that playoff run a while back. Um, I don't remember how that came up on our podcast, but that was a really fun jazz team. I like that. Because that was the year that the Spurs beat the jazz. I mean, the, yeah, Spurs beat the jazz and then the, they went on to sweep the Cavs. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that was because that was that jazz team with Karolanko, Darren Williams, uh, Carlos Boozer and Memo yep. Okur. And I think Okur, Roger Bell yeah. might've been there too. Um, but yeah, yeah that's that, right. Um, but yeah, the, the jazz would also be a good comparison too. Cause then after Williams left, Darren Williams left and Boozer left. It was one bad year. And then they got Al Jefferson and um, Paul Millsap. And then they were back to being down again. And then they got Gordon Hayward. And then, yeah, it was just that, that's a great one. That's that's one that's up and down, but with no success to come from it. Right. So hopefully we get there with Denver. Um, I heard an interesting point from KG. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was on yeah. all the smoke podcast who he was comparing Jokic's game to and how he would defend him. And I was thinking, God, KG would be an absolute nightmare matchup for Jokic. If anybody oh, I'd be yeah. scared of, I mean, prime Dwight Howard would be pretty tough um, too, obviously. And there are other guys, but like most recently I would, I would respect KG because he would probably try harder than anybody and is super smart. But the way uh, he Ben was Wallace would have been the other one I would have said uh, the other one would have been put up there. Yeah, Ben Wallace would, would have been great. But the way he was comparing them is a kind of a mix between Dirk and Zebo. And I hadn't thought of the Zebo comparison. Mm. Dirk is a pretty obvious one, but I love the Zebo comparison because they move very similarly. He doesn't really move like Dirk. Like they're both slow, but Dirk moves yeah. a completely different way. 
Jokic is much more of a enforcer like Zebo was like he doesn't look as thick as Zebo was he's kind of slimmed down in comparison to what you would think of Zebo but they just put their weight into you and they are tipping balls all around getting weird rebounds know how to use the rim as a protection against block shots because they can't really jump up at all um I would say Zebo is you know more visibly that enforcer than Jokic looks like but it's so clear when Jokic is going up against a guy like AD who's the best defender in the playoffs, um, how he's able to sort of body him, you know, is very much Zebo vibes to me. So I thought that was a really insightful point. I do like that comparison because yeah, I mean Zebo definitely had the body the body shape is very similar more similar yes. than Yo uh, than Winsky's Just was. Wide. <laughs> yeah, very wide. Um one thing I wanted to hit on though, I mean switching a little bit off the nuggets. I, unless you're are you are you are you is there anything else you want to talk about the nuggets? No, I think I think we covered it. That was a very fun segment for me. I I, I was gonna say it's been a while since we've been able to just, you know, go off about nuggets history. Well, whenever they start rewriting when they write the book about the nuggets history, they should call you up and say, Hey, we, we listened to the pod. Can we uh can we have your thoughts? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the other thing is you gotta look at the other side of this series. You start to look at the Lakers and yeah. For them to, they they caught two very perfect storms in their first two rounds. You got the the craziness of the Memphis Grizzlies. You caught the wildness of the John Morant situation and whatever was going on there. Then you get the Warriors, who were coming off a seven game brutal matchup against the Kings. They're also beaten and bruised with a- a- Andrew Wiggins being hurt, and they're also still got the chemistry issues that they're claiming they've had since the offseason it's like they caught the perfect storm of teams they could play against and then they ran into what is known as the the absolute ship pumpers in the uh, denver nuggets it's that was the worst matchup for the lakers in any sort of way because the nuggets are a team that have been just absolutely consistent this entire playoffs they had the one weird game against the the Timberwolves that they took to overtime and lost, but still took it to yep. overtime. And then they had the the Suns games, you know that you know you you're gonna get when Katie and Booker both go for forty or thirty in a game, you're gonna lose those. But still, you have what is being a very in a very consistent Nuggets team this entire playoffs and this entire year outside of like the last. 15 games when they started like to not give a crap and like rest Jokic a little bit. But even still, this Nuggets team has been super consistent, whether it be offensively, they've shown up on defense. Like we're actually seeing MPJ try on defense. It's it's, it's music to our ears as Mizzou fans, but also as uh, a semi Nuggets fan and an actual Nuggets fan. Like it's, it's impressive just to watch how much yeah. they want it. And it's, it's very, it's very apparent how much they've won it. And so to see the Lakers catch the perfect storm of two teams and you're like, okay, congratulations. You shouldn't even have been here. Kind of like, it seemed like that was like kind of the case, That's but kind of I feeling too. Yeah. Right. Like of, of course you have LeBron James, but like LeBron James half the game wasn't the best player on the court. Like for that Lakers team, like most of the time it was AD and sometimes you got, you, you got saved by a 14 point line or a, a Lonnie Walker fourth quarter. You've got Austin Reeves who probably should have controlled them all more, a little bit more. Mm. And you got Dennis Schroeder who apparently is one of the best Steph Curry stoppers or not stopper, but like containers in NBA. I and, and who would have thought that would have been the case, 
But I don't know. It's just Rui. like Oh, and then yeah, Rui Hachimura, who apparently reinvigorated himself in in once he left DC. Who would have thought that would have happened? Who would have thought leaving a shit franchise really would have yeah. helped your mental mental state? Either way, I, I, I feel bad for Carl Baltimore. I've been closely following his like post Rui trade psyche on Twitter, and it's been t- it's been a tough watch. I'm sorry, Carl. No, and trust me, him talking with us while we play 2K is something something yeah. otherworldly as well. But you know. Congrats to the Nuggets. You caught a great matchup for yourself against the Lakers, and the Lakers just got had the great uh, storms in the first two series, and then they just caught the Nuggets yeah. at the wrong time. So, I mean, I'm curious, Aaron, what do you think is the future of this Lakers team? First, let's spell it out now. I don't think LeBron's retiring. I don't think but so. I also, but I also just like, what do you think the Lakers do? Well, I was texting you guys even before this. I think it was after game one, uh, maybe game two when they were down 2-0. Mm-hmm. And I was asking you, do you think this was LeBron's best chance to win a championship? I would say it certainly is his best chance as long as he's in a Laker uniform, barring anything really drastic. But I would say even I would be willing to make that wager just in general for his whole career. Obviously, he's only 38. So how many years does he have left? But um The fact that he was able to get where he got, he has some left in the tank in spurts. I mean, he had 40 points in game four, for God's sake. He played pretty much every second. Mm -hmm. Um, It was clear that he ran out of gas in the second uh, second half Mm -hmm. and was trying to load manage himself a bit during the game. Like he had a possession where he let the ball roll up the floor and he stood there for like 20 seconds, it felt like. Mm -hmm. So he could basically rest. I thought that was very savvy. But in general, like, how can you expect him to be as healthy as he was this year? And he even got hurt a few times. How can you expect AD to be as healthy as he was this year? And he also got hurt a few times. Um, You don't really have the space to move for a third star if you want to keep these role players. And we've Mm -hmm. seen how key these role players have been. From all reports, it sounds like Austin Reeves is coming back. They want Austin Reeves back and they're willing to match whatever offer um, for that huge amount of money, which is good for him. Rui Hachimura, it sounds like they want to bring back two. So that really, really limits your options on who you're going to get. I've seen today two names, two big names that are linked to the Lakers. If it's the two names that were at game four, I'm going to throw a brick. Two point guards, Kyrie Irving and Trey Young. Now, Kyrie Irving is just like Hollywood Central. Like That would just be a movie in terms of how dramatic that's going to get real quick, but maybe he's able to lock in with LeBron. LeBron's been the only guy who has proven to like actually be able to succeed with this man. So, you know, that option, if it were to happen, I would be much more open to LeBron winning a title in in that scenario. I still don't think they would be the favorite in the West going forward. That's one point is the future of the West and where the Lakers stand in it. But two, Trey young would be catastrophic. Yes, it would help out LeBron offensively and allow him to take time off. But guess who's picking apart and targeting D'Angelo Russell on defense? Imagine what they're going to do to Trey Young. Like, that is an absolute terrible, terrible decision. Kyrie can hold his own most of the time. So he's less liable um, on that end. So Kyrie is a good option. I just don't think they have the resources to get him. It's going to take him taking a pay cut, which I don't think is going to happen, or the Lakers not re-signing some of these role guys, which also doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So... I'm very, very skeptical. Um, I would I would bet a lot of money that the Lakers only win one title with LeBron James uh, in that era. 
I think that's where it's trending. I agree with you. I also, I don't think LeBron's retiring. I think this might've been the last year we see LeBron in the Lakers uniform. Whoa. Okay. <clears throat> Greg Popovich today. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't see this. I don't know. Asked LeBron James if he wanted to come down and play with Victor Wembanyama. When did he say oh, Wait, hold on. I did not see this report. Where is this report coming from? Uh, it was one of my stupid trade things, but it oh, looked God. like I need to find it. But basically, yeah. Like, basically, we, yeah, here we are. Here we are. Greg Popovich wants LeBron James to consider joining the San Antonio Spurs this offseason so he can team up with Victor Wembanyama. This is from the ringer. What would the hell, what in the hell would the Spurs have to give up to get LeBron James? A lot. But still, yeah. I mean, pairing Le- LeBron James with Webb and Yama would be nuts. Be nuts. Also, I think the, the Spurs would have to trade the number one pick to try to get LeBron James, but Damn here yeah. we are. Yeah, I don't know if that's worth it for the Spurs. Like, personally, I wouldn't do that. I understand a bit why Pop would want to do that. I mean, I don't know the relationship. Obviously, the USA basketball relationship exists, so it sounds like that's positive if this is even a question. Um, But, like, it's kind of similar to how I think the Magic are. Like, I don't want the Magic to add any big-name star because I like what they're contributing and building organically. In the same way, I want that to happen in San Antonio. I'd be interested to get the Johnson brothers' take on this too. But it feels like LeBron would be the great mentor at the same at one on one hand, and on the other hand, like take away from Wimby, and maybe by trading away all your other assets and role guys who seem like they might actually work well around Victor Wembanyama, that might also hurt them. Um, so that's one thought I have. Uh, I see both sides of this. LeBron issue. I, I I could see that as a positive, but I would lean toward the negative and probably, you know, not go for that. I I agree with you. I just think there's the if there's the capability to have one of the best players of all time, who is still a great playmaker. God forbid we see that, but we see him paired up with one of the best prospects we've ever seen in Victor Minyama. It'd be crazy. So I think. That that's just a cool thing. The other thing is we might just LeBron James is hinted consistently about how good this the Cavs team is. Somehow that man makes it back to Cleveland. I'm going to lose my mind. But there's again, it's the cap room situation that I'm not sure there there's a chance that happens. So who needs the three? <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> man, it's like I've been saying that since fucking September. That would be actually perfect, honestly. I would appreciate that more than the Spurs. Yeah. I um so there's this guy at work who is a Cavs fan. He just moved to Chicago and he works uh virtually now, but I saw him for the first time in two months uh last week and I was talking to him, I was like, Hey, what'd you how you do how you handling the playoff loss? He's like you're right. I was like, no shit. Really? Me? Right? He's like, yeah, we were just missing a small forward in depth. I'm like, it's like I said that Kevin Love, losing Kevin Love was going to be a bigger deal than y'all are making it out to be. And like you not having a small forward was just 
like it's like you could have got Josh Hart for zero things, and it would have been super nice for you yeah, to have. Nice. Yeah, it would have been super nice to have. Anyways, yeah, this Lakers team is in shambles at this point in my mind. I, you're right. The the Western Conference is going to be electric next year, especially with whatever happens with yeah. the Suns, whatever whoever they can get for Chris Paul or whatever they can get for Chris Paul, because I'm assuming he's going to be traded. DeAndre Ayton might be traded too. Who the heck knows what's going to happen there? And I think then they both should be, yeah. Yeah, Nuggets are going to be great. The Grizzlies hopefully bounce back next year. The Grizzlies are good for the NBA. Let's see. I'm not I know. buying it. I know. Uh, I... The police are visiting John Morant for a wellness check. <laughs> He's taking a break from social media. That was what it was. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, that should have been five months ago. I'm well aware. <laughs> uh, yet the Pelicans, who are Aaron's darlings that aren't named the Nuggets, um, who are <laughs> who have basically screwed themselves over as long as Zion Williamson's not playing basketball. Um, there's just yeah, there's and the Thunder, who the Thunder did uh, the Thunder are the next big team in the Western Conference in my mind. They did not. They were. This good this past year without their center. They they were playing this good without a center for the past year. It's it's pretty incredible to watch how well they've played. Um, and then the Kings. And the Kings. You. Okay. Hey, I was, I was like, waiting the best you, for last. If you don't, if you don't mention the Kings, I'm gonna be so mad at you. No, we're, we were saving the best for last, and I'm I'm leaving out the Warriors because God knows what's gonna happen to them this offseason. But yeah, the Kings. I mean, a team that truly built themselves and showed off what they can really do, especially with like a good coach and not named Luke Walton. Um, I think that, you know, that really helps God. out too. Um, I would throw in the Timberwolves even as like an option because I think Anthony Edwards will continue to grow. And sure. Get to this level of stardom that only a few people have. And if they're able to sort of jigger the roster to get rid of one of the bigs, and build around Ant, I think that could work and make them more competitive. So I think depending on what they do, I think it's more like they're going to run it back and probably be mediocre. But, um, you know, definitely worth mentioning. In general, like, there are problems with the Lakers, and how can they expect to have as easy of, of a path as they did this year? Like you said, like the Grizzlies were in shambles, the Warriors were in shambles, and then they got swept <laughs> once they got to real time. And their biggest issue at this point is age with LeBron, right? And... Mm -hmm. You're having to play basketball for over two months, if you a month and a half, if you make it to the finals, like if that's your goal, is that sustainable for AD and LeBron to do? It didn't seem like LeBron was able to play a full 48 minutes. Not that he should be asked to do that, but I, I just I just don't see it happening. Nope. Me either. I don't I don't see it either. Um anything else you want to handle Lakers? No. Have fun in Cancun for a couple of weeks, guys. Enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for kicking our asses for 47 years <laughs> and for finally, us. finally relenting. Yeah, finally. Um, okay. Let's take a break before we get to the Celtics. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back and we're going to talk about my Celtics a little bit, but we're going to also just talk about the history of teams coming back from 3-0. I have a little bit of a uh, little bit of history deep dive that I did about that, but before that, we're just going to talk about this Eastern Conference Finals, which Aaron hit on it earlier. First two games were great. 
grid. They were good. Not great, just good. And then game three was miserable uh, for me. That was that was zero fun. And game four looked like every other game. Celtics got, got the lead. Then the Heat went up by 10, and I was like, great. This series is over. Love my life. Great. I don't have to worry about this. I can just cheer for the Nuggets. Fun. And then the third quarter happened, and then the Celtics decided, hey, we remember how to play basketball together. And they played the high-paced offense that has ruined teams all year. And they did it for the first half of the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they let the heat back into it. Excuse me. And then they kept, then they put the, the pedal to the metal and they won the game by double digits. What you saw in that second half is what the Celtics should be doing for every game here on out. High-paced offense, which leads to open shots everywhere. And it's just about everyone hitting their shots. Um what from you, Aaron, you, what you, you watched game four, what did you see that is encouraging for Celtics fans? Encouraging would be the defense. Um, yes. I don't think it, I don't know if it's replicable because I thought Miami was a little sloppy and in general, like when you're three Oh, I feel like there's a mentality there too <clears throat> that maybe you're not as sharp. It'll be interesting to see how Miami comes out in game five. But in general, Boston was just so active. And I don't think they really changed anything strategically from what I could look. I mean, I would maybe have to go back and watch it. Mm. Um, it's not like they were doubling Jimmy. You know, they still haven't refused to do that. <laughs> um, and honestly, Miami did miss quite a few open threes. They shot pretty poorly. But in that third quarter, in the fourth quarter, they were just flying all over the court. Jalen Brown had like a behind the back block um, mm-hmm. that ended up in a transition dunk. They ha- he had a couple steals off ball. Smart was active. Rob Williams was great in the paint. Um, Horford was holding his own. It's just basically everybody played really, really good defense. Derek White did a couple things too. Grant Williams finally, uh, Who finally thought? showed up. Uh, so, I mean, the defense was great. I think the offense is what you would expect it to be generally for Boston. Like that is what I expect Boston to be. But the defense is something we haven't really seen in the playoffs. Like they are not nearly the same defensive team as they were during last year's run. And that's kind of what's been concerning for them. They've been able to get away with it against the Hawks because they have no defense and they're all offense. And then in Philly, I just think they're just a better team than Philly and they're more mentally tough. They're now running into a team that's more mentally tough than them, but less talented. And yep. it's a very interesting case study. Like what what wins out? Um, and they're Miami's better defensively, and they just have a better scheme. Like what you're seeing them throw at Boston, they're trying so much more stuff than Boston is. Like they're throwing yep. the zone that helped them get back a little bit in that fourth quarter. I think they cut the lead to nine. And I was like, holy shit, is Boston gonna choke this? They were just up 15. Um mm-hmm but they ended up pulling it out, as you said. But that zone is kind of causing some issues for Boston if they can't hit the threes because I'm watching them and I'm so many times I just want them to drive <laughs> to the rim more and score in the paint in the mid-range. And Jason Tatum did a good job at that in the half court. And they that's what's great about playing great defense is you're able to get out and transition and do that very easily. But yeah. in the half court, I feel like they settled for threes way too much. So the defense is the key. Um, that's what stood out to me. That's something that should be encouraging if they can replicate it. Cause that also affects your offense on the other end, just finally getting easy baskets. Defense wins championships was the line we always heard growing up. And I think that's definitely been the mantra 
for how the Celtics have won most of their games is playoffs. You've had the crazy Tatum fourth quarter in game six in the, against the Sixers. But most of these games that they're winning, it's because their defense ha- like comes alive and they remember how to play basketball. Um, they're not winning games where it's close at the end. They're winning games where it's how can we how can we separate ourselves so much that way we don't even have to worry about anything less than double digits going into like the last three minutes of a game. That's how it's worked for most of these wins. There are of course a few exceptions. Point still being that this team has doesn't want to perform or doesn't want to play in these close games down the stretch of games. Yet they keep putting themselves in this in these situations because they keep slowing the game down. They they thrive in these in the high paced games. They thrive in this constant ball movement, not this dribbling out in front, uh, which is what Jalen and Jason both do at the end of games, um, whenever it's close. And so, trying to. And it's been a thing. That's always been a thing with them since Kyrie was there. That's always been the issue is how well this team can't, I mean, how well this team is, sorry, how badly this team wants to just continue to dribble the ball out front. So I worry about that, but I, I am encouraged by how well they are, how well they're moving the ball last night. And it wasn't just about me. It wasn't about, it was about we more than it was me. So that's what I was very encouraged by. Yeah, they, that's a good point. They were sharing the ball a lot. I mean, even Jalen Brown had four assists, you know. Shocker. <laughs> like, that's kind of uh, every guy uh, had an assist pretty much uh, that played, except for Robert Williams, which is to be expected. So, Robert Williams has enough tip outs off offensive rebounds that it's basically an assist at that point. And the amount of assists, too. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the man is an animal. But, you know, the thing I want to hit on mostly is that there there is some history in the NBA that, you know, everyone wants to talk about how there's never been a 3-0 comeback in NBA. It's happened four times in hockey, and it's happened once in MLB. The only time it happened in the MLB was the Boston Red Sox doing it to the Yankees. And after the Yankees have just slapped them in the mouth so many different times. Um, this... Like I said at the beginning, I'm not there yet. I am about 90% there, but I'm not 100% all in. If they win game five, I'm all in, and I'm going to go full on, we're going to win this. Because game five basically is going to be the decider of how well, I mean, how hard they're going to go for game six, and if they're only going to move the rotation back to seven guys like they did uh, for uh, the Sixers series. Because basically that's what it turned out to be, was like the seven-man rotation that they threw out there. Um Mitchell so Sell text us of 5.35 p.m. today. Oh, God. In our group chat. Gentlemen, I'm all the way in on the Celtics making a comeback. <laughs> now you're all now you've all of a sudden tempered your all the way in expectations. What happened? Not, is I'm is not, this my presence face to face that's intimidating you that I'm gonna No, 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 out? no. It's it's we've talked about this before. I think very instinctively. It's very much like in the moment, I right, here's what I'm truly thinking. You calm me down. You bring me back down to earth a little bit. Only 10% back to earth because apparently I'm still 90% in. But still, they win game five. I'm all the way in. Then you're, I will be unbearable next. Uh, well, actually, we won't record probably till like Monday next week. So the series will probably will be over at that point. Um, point still being, we're going to have a crazy game five. And it's in Boston, which Boston has not done well at home this year in the playoffs, which is wild to me. Lost five of the last seven at home. Um, but let's. I wanted to hit on six 
um, different teams that like had attempts to come back from down 3-0. There, there have been 11 teams, Aaron, that have forced a game six. So teams that were down 3-0, 1-2 straight, and then lost in game six. Um, one of them was the Magic in 2010 against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics started super hot in that series, were on fire, lighting it up. Um, they won, and they, but they won a lot of close games. That was the thing, though. Like all these games were close against them. Finally, they the Magic then went on to win two games where they shot over 50% from the field. That's how they won. And the Celtics couldn't hit a shot. And then game seven, Paul Pierce said, just give me the ball and get out of the way. And he threw up 31 against the Magic. And he said, just let me. And he also had 13 rebounds. Paul Pierce said, just let me let me handle this because I want to make the finals again and only for us to lose to the Lakers that year. Second instance, another instance would be the 2000 uh, Pacers versus Sixers. So this was the Pacers to make the finals. They went up 3-0. Reggie and Jalen both threw up 40 in game one uh, to beat the to beat the Sixers. Both of them threw up 40? Yeah, they both threw up Holy 40. Crap. They had both yeah, they combined 80 points between the two of them. Iris only had 22 in game one. Very, very laxed first three games for the Sixers. Iverson had some big, big games in game five and six. I'm sorry, game four and five. And then it just turned, and then the uh, Pacers turned it on in game uh, six. Let me double check what I had here. Yeah, Reggie Miller threw up 25 and a 15 point and a 16 point win. Um, they had, they have the three guys in 20. I need to correct. Yeah. Oh, they had the two guys in 20 with the Rick Smiths at 18. So, you know, they, they had my theory almost there. The other one I want to talk about, which you will know this one. It's the 1996 NBA Finals. It's the Chicago Bulls versus the Supersonics. Bulls yep. go up 3-0. We saw, everyone saw it in the last dance. And then Gary Payton's like, I want to guard Michael Jordan in game four. Brr, brr, brr. And he does it. And Michael Jordan has a, a decently okay game. He's just fatigued. He's tired. And they win games four and five. And then Michael just shuts him up in game six. It's one that's very well documented. Um, Carl getting hate. The man never won a title, Aaron. I don't want to hear about it. One of the, him, Don Nelson, Jerry Sloan, three of the best coaches to never win a title. Well, Jer- uh, George Carl was getting hate from J.R. Smith, Nuggets legend, for apparently not having any plan timeout or out of bounds plays. Did you see oh, that? I did see that. Yes, that's also another reason. It seems like George George Carl disputed that, of course. Well. We'll see if JR that was on JR more likely not paying attention, but he, <laughs> he continues to get some hate. But he's showing up to the Nuggets game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stand with George Carl here. Yeah. All right. There have only been three times in NBA history, Aaron, that a team has been down 3-0 and then forced a game seven. I don't want to. We're gonna. I'm gonna start from the beginning. The first one that ever happened, um, 1951. Uh, the Rochester Royals and the New York Knicks um, in the division finals. I will give you $5 if you can name me any player on these teams. There's not a licking chance you could do it. But if you do, I will be. Uh, I have no idea, dude. I, I, I would. It would have to be from the Knicks, and I don't think I could name anybody. Uh, was Oscar Robertson born yet? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> The only guy I would have known would have been Red Holzman. Okay, yeah, 
that that would have been the literally the only guy I would have known on either of these teams. Don't Isn't know he also uh, a coach. I'm pretty. He sure was a coach. coach. He was a coach for the St. Louis Hawks later. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's where I know him from. Yes. So basically, the Royals went up 3-0. Knicks fought back in some brutally poor shooting games, and um, Game Seven was a score of 79 to 75. The leading scorer was Ryzen with 24 points. We then go to the 1994 Jazz Nuggets second round. This is the Matumbo year. They beat the Sonics in the first round. And I. this is when Hornacek is like his first – I think this is his first year joining the Jazz. Uh, this is Malone and Stockton at the like, top of their powers only to lose to the Rockets in the conference finals that year. But this is like prime combination of Rauf, Matumbo, and Lafonso Ellis. Because there's two games and they're worth the well also Matumbo averaged five and a half blocks this series. Five and a half. Animal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he had two games in there where he had seven. It's like what on that. earth? Denying Malone. That's great. Yeah, and uh, in Vanderlei cra- probably right, or was he going? Uh, on the Jazz. Mm. Oh, the, no, the Nuggets. Vanderlei. Oh, Kiki Vanderlei was gone. Oh, it was ninety four. Yeah. Oh, nineteen. I'm thinking of eighties. Yeah, yep. you're good. You're good. Go All right. The final one I want to talk about is the one I'm going to harp on the most because I'm going to have you do a little guessing game here, Aaron. It's the 2003. Dallas Mavericks versus the Portland Trailblazers. Mm, okay. There are – I'm going to give you the chance to name as many Trailblazers as you can on this team. Could you All name right. any? Yes. Uh, 03. Okay. Is this when Rasheed Wallace was there? Great start. Great yeah. start. Okay. So I, I remember Rasheed Wallace being there. Um, 03, man. Okay. So that's free Brandon Roy. Very much pre-Brandon Roy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, man, Rashid Wallace is like my guy on that team. Um, There's one guy we brought up earlier who was a big man, and it was on this team. Matumbo? No. <laughs> Zebo. Oh, Zebo. Yeah, Zebo was on this team. That was okay. your forward pairing. Rasheed Wallace and Zebo was your forward. What a beast combo. With Who were their guards on that team? Bonzi Wells. Oh, wow. And Damon Stoudemire. Okay. And um, their center was a mixture of Dale Davis, who got hurt in game six, and then Arvita Sabonis in like one of his last few years Sabonis, in the NBA. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then that Mavericks team was... Uh, Dirk, Nash, Finley, Sean Bradley, Rafe LaFrance, the whole squad. Maz went up 3-0, and it's because Dirk was going absolute bonkers. And then they couldn't hit a shot for the next two games. Could not hit a shot. Like, they were just dangling around the 40% mark most of those games. Game six was a cl- uh, was uh, Blazers win, and then game seven, the Mavs just put it on them. And then that was the year that the Mavs – that was the best chance to make the finals that year. They were up – I mean, they uh, – Nash, but Novinsky got hurt. 
Novinsky got hurt after mm. during game three, and it was just over after that. So, what year was that? Oh, three or four? Or 2002, oh, 2003. 2002, 2003. So that was when the uh, Lakers, no Spurs and uh, Nets. Oh, okay, right. Spurs Nets uh, finals that year, which was don't that that's not one I tell people to go back and watch. That is zero fun to go watch. I love Tim. Kenyon was Kenyon Martin there. Yep, Still? that was Kenyon Martin, Martin, Richard, Richard Jefferson. Jefferson. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Jason Kidd. Yep. That was the year before Vince Carter joins them. Yep. Um, was the was Keith Van Horn around? Somebody like that. Yes, and I think it would have been Carrie Kittles. Yes, Carrie Kittles. That's what I, I, I get him and Kendall Gill mixed up, but I think it was Carrie Kittles uh, who would have been. That is a brutal, good. brutal team to play with in two K. That team just has zero no fun. The only shooter is Keith Van Horn, and yeah, his they shot did not form... do kid justice in that game. No, Keith Van Horn's shot also was just miserably too long. So, um, my point is this: you look back at history, and there isn't much to go off in the NBA. The only times you see it are these lower tier seeds really fighting hard, and and for the, the those teams that make it to seven games. The 3 one was the first time that there was a seven-game series in the first round. Before that, it was all five or three-game series. And then um, that 94 Nuggets team, it's the year they beat the Sonics in the first round. And then after that, they they weren't even supposed to be there. They were the eighth seed. It, mm-hmm. it's, and then that the New York Knicks of 1951 just you know when there's 10 teams in the nba it's not a lot to choose from there yet they still force seven games my point is this this celtics team is by far the more talented team in this series i think we we when we went over the rotations uh we talked about the best rotations we we both agreed that the celtics had the number one rotation um in the nba it in the other three opportunities you saw, we I talked about the team who won had the better that had the better roster. I like the Celtics' chances because of that. Yes, you, but I, 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 but I understand we are going up against one of the top five coaches of all time in Eric Spolstra. Big, big, big point. Yeah, against massive coach. Yeah, massive. Point. It's the biggest mismatch in the series. To be quite honest with you, like it has nothing. The players matter. It, more than the coaches don't get it twisted but the coaching impact of spo is huge oh the coaching mitch the coaching mismatch of spo to joe maz is huge like i think i heard the best comparison of it today like if you're trying to rate teams on a scale of one to ten the coaching is about a, a half percent of uh, has about a half percent of an effect or has like mm-hmm. about a half of a point of effect but the Miami Heat get the whole half. I mean, they get the whole yeah. half point from uh, Spolstra. You're getting about very much of a sliver from Joe Maz than you're getting anything. Al Horford and Marcus Smart are more coaching in the in, in the huddles more than Joe Maz is. Joe Maz is a great encourager, not a big X's and O's guy. And that's one thing I want the Celtics to go do is figure out and get an X's and O's guy uh, to be a solid bench coach for him. I don't know who that'd be. But they need that more than anything. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing we never talk about when we talk about coaches. We never talk about the rest of the assistant coaches. Like, mm-hmm. 
Denver, for example, I think has great assistance. Uh, Rick Adelman's kid. Um, uh, what's his name? The the defensive guy. Um, the son of the coach who coached the Timberwolves. Oh, first. Ryan Saunders. Yes, Ryan Saunders. So like, and before then, Wes Unseld is now the coach of the Wizards. Right. Like, good, good uh, bench coaches. In Boston, look at uh, Will Hardy out in Utah, right? You mentioned Damon Stoudemire. Like, mm-hmm. Joe Maz as an assistant is probably a really good assistant. Like, assistants matter. And I'm looking at the, the Heat roster. I mean, none of these guys really stand out to me other than Mr. Karan Butler as an assistant coach. I don't know any of these other guys. Oh, well, there's um, the um, shoot. There, I, if I saw the name, I would know him. But he's the Anthony one that you Carter, all... former player too. Um, but assistant coaches matter. We always just love to place all the blame and the credit to the one figurehead, and it makes Chris sense. Quinn. To do. Chris, Chris Quinn. Chris Quinn is the one I know. I think I think I know who you're talking about. Um, I can visualize him. But anyways, I think that matters. So like the fact that you mentioned that. Joe Maz, yeah, I see him every time I watch Heat games. Yeah. He's just very pasty. Very pasty human being. Despite living in Miami. Um, But you mentioned like Joe Maz not being able to put together a staff probably matters. And maybe he wouldn't have been able to put together that good of a staff because he's so young and inexperienced. But like all of those Celtics assistants leaving killed them as much as Ime Adoka leaving did. So that's something we don't talk about enough, too. Well, yeah, I mean. Think about if Will Hardy's coaching this team and it's not Joe Mass. Yeah, for real. Think about <laughs> if like the Ime Yudoka news comes out literally a month earlier, the Celtics are in a much better coaching situation. That's just what boggles well, my and mind. Did they not did they not know it before? I don't think so. Or I thought they I thought, I thought they, they were just like I thought they kept them under wraps forever and then they like were trying to figure out how to plan for it. And then they didn't plan any meaningful things at all <laughs> truthfully no someone leaked it great job no i really don't know i don't remember how it all went down i would have Maybe. to look back at the timeline but you're right announcing that earlier would have, if they would have known would have helped in trying to save will hardy but it seemed like will hardy was already pretty much going to the jazz because danny ainge was attending playoff games true 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 either way it's pretty crazy um but point still being I think the Celtics are the better talented team in this series. Yes, Spo is the better coach. But I think that was the one mismatch we see in each one of those series um, that I mentioned earlier is that the team who lost was the worst talented team. And I think that's what's going to make the difference if the Celtics are going to win is the talent difference. Also, want to just yeah. quickly point out the other thing I forgot to say was the Scotty Pippen on those on that Blazers team. Just was the other name I oh just right remember. yeah that was the other name I yeah to throw out there. Scotty Pippen Duh. yeah before um, his one last year in Chicago right um well and you're right like we've never seen anything like this in the playoffs right I mean we've had eight seeds upset one seeds we've right. never seen them be in this position no. let alone. Against the team that was essentially the betting favorite entering the playoffs, the Bucks technically were, mm-hmm. um, but the Celtics were essentially tied with them. It was like a one A one B, right? And they came off the finals last year and had expectations to get there again. So we've never seen anything like this. The Heat shouldn't have made the playoffs. Like they oh, would have made no. the playoffs pre um, 
play-in tournament era right? because they were in the top eight. But I, they almost lost to the Bulls in their home floor. They lost two straight games, and their role players look weird. Like, it's so crazy when you just, when they're losing and you're starting to look at this team, it's like, wow, Caleb Martin is <laughs> the best player right now. Yeah. Like, uh, wow, they're relying this much on Duncan Robinson. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you take a step back and it's kind of Kevin Love. Wow, Kevin Love's still playing at, at this high <laughs> level. Kyle Lowry is back from the, like, those players, when they're playing great, are like, oh, wow, like we're getting so much out of these guys. And when you're playing bad, it's like, I kind of expect it. Like, this team is terrible when you look on paper. So they've outperformed expectations. Nobody expected this. If it's ever going to happen, I agree with you. It's now. I just have my biggest issue is mental toughness and coaching, which are intangibles. And I think the Heat have those in spades and the Celtics struggle with them. And there are also, you mentioned your question was, initially like what do you think is encouraging for Celtics fans the fact that they didn't lay down is the most encouraging thing Mm -hmm. they had every chance every opportunity every right honestly for some people on this team with all the Jalen Brown stuff uh, all the coaching news like there were many opportunities and many reasons to lay down in this game and the fact that they didn't is the most encouraging thing for not only this season but the future like this team has self-worth they believe in themselves to the extent of going and winning a game on the road like that matters too self-worth maybe maybe we're wrong about the whole grit thing and mental toughness thing i think the celtics are tougher than people give them credit for but the heat just have it they they've had it since jimmy butler's gotten there i mean that's just literally the heat's mantra at this point it literally is it is that grit so i am excited and nervous all at the same time it is what it is, so I can't really do anything about it. But so if you had to pick right now, who's winning the series? Gun to your head. Andre Karolenko is pointing a Russian AK-47 at your head. What are you just, okay, whatever. Not the point. Um, I'm probably saying the Heat, unfortunately. And okay. it, it sucks That's to say. probably the statistically right answer. <laughs> well, it is statistically right because it's never happened. <laughs> it's never happened in the NBA. But even still, it is the higher probability. First time for everything. There is a first time for everything. If tomorrow night, if the Celtics win, ask me again. <laughs> then I, I will probably have a different answer for you. Yeah. If you put yourself, let's, Mitch, I, you're a Celtics fan, but put yourself in the mindset of the Heat. Going into this game, like they're probably fairly confident still. They beat the Celtics on their home court twice. They shot terribly last game, and they're like, all right, great. We're still up 3 1. Like they Mm kind of had to win that game. And now they're going home, and the Celtics have all the pressure to win at home in front of their home floor. We're we're not under pressure. But at the same time, like, and then the Heat, let's say they lose game five. All right, well, the Celtics won on their home floor. They were big favorites, like whatever. We've mm-hmm. already beat them twice in our home floor. Now we get to go back home. Like, I don't think the Heat are going to be in a dire pressure scenario unless they lose game six. Like, they're kind of sitting pretty in game five and playing with no pressure, whereas I think the Celtics are playing with a ton of pressure on them. I think game five is a must win for the Celtics, but I think game six is the oh, must really? win for the Heat. That's a Shut must up. win. Shut up. No, like, I think, of course, game five is going to be a must win, but I think game six is the one the Heat have to win. Like, I don't think you wanted to go seven. You don't want to even try totally. to let. I I think 
sure, Boston's home record being what it is in this playoff is not great. But you don't even want to test fate with it. You don't want to, you that that the, the the garden has its way, man, and you don't want to play with the luck of the Irish in that sense. Although Boston Celtics have been good in Game Sevens recently. In that in that building, the Boston Bruins did lose a Game Seven in in Round One of the NHL playoffs. So I don't know. And they were the number the one seed. They were the huge favor favorite. I don't know, man. I I think the Heat. They have three chances to win one game. I, uh, you got to take the heat, but the Celtics, I, I'm excited to see what they come out with game five. I think they need to win that game pretty comfortably. And I have a feeling it's going to be a tight game. Personally, I, I think the heat are going to make them sweat, but th- that might be important too, for the Celtics finally to win a close game, right? We haven't seen them do that that much. So yeah. that might be equally as important rather than just like, let's blow them out. And then they're kind of over their head for game six. I wonder if this is the Heat defaulting back to what they did in the regular season. That's At some point, thing. it's going to happen. Yeah. It has to happen. And I wonder if it's starting now. Like, That's, congrats I've been waiting to Kill- for it. I thought it was going to happen last series. Congrats to Caleb Martin for having the best 18-game stretch of his career in the playoffs. You can stop now if you'd like. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate it, but... It, yeah, I, I think this is this is when the series game five is going to be the teller of how long the series is going to go. Or they can just do it against the Nuggets and I'd be OK with that, too. That's sure. <laughs> That'd be great for you. I mean, um, if, the, if the Heat are like regular season Heat all of a sudden, can you imagine how lopsided that finals would be? Yeah, it's going to be so much fun for you, and I'm going to be so excited <laughs> and so pissed at the same time. The, <laughs> when they just like instantly stop becoming the Miami Heat playoffs and <laughs> instantly become regular season Heat <laughs> as soon as they beat your team. <laughs> miserable time. Um, okay. You want to hit a little Siri on Bruce? Bruise and reviews, Mitch. Jesus. Bruise and reviews. We rebranded this. Dude, you know how many podcasts I haven't been on and I'm really mad at myself. I'm, I, I've been bad about this. Bruise and reviews. We're not even going to take a break. We're going to hop right into this now. Let's do it. Because I, I can't even do this. All right. Aaron, you asked me before, at the end of last podcast, I need to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yes, it, has, it has been done. And I will say this. Why did I wail like a, a three-year-old child like three separate times during this movie? God, this laughing or crying, crying. I cried. I cried. Damn it. And it was. It's very good. I will say, did you watch another movie alone? Like a sad boy or were you there with Susanna? Susanna was there with me. We both cried and it was. uh, Damn, it was good. 8.7, Aaron. That's what I gave it. Um, Where did I have it? What did we give Guardians of the Galaxy? It cracks top 10. Madison gives it a nine. I think I gave it like I I I give it around a nine. I would say it's yeah. it's, it's so. Would you say it's the second best? Garden I Star? have it. I have it tied with number one. I literally have both of them eight sevens. I so I I have them both eight point seven right now. I have them. Let me double check this. I have. I think I have them at both. Yeah. I have them at number seven and number eight uh, in my oh, Marvel in rankings. Marvel. Okay. Yes. You got to give the first one a leg up because it's just the first one. And you can I give would it up say, with the soundtrack. 
in the I soundtrack. Was, I was going to bring up that point. What did you think about the soundtrack? Soundtrack. I like how they've done it by decade by decade. Because the first one was a bunch of 70s, second one was 80s, this is 90s and 2000s. Like that. I didn't even think of that, how they did that. Yeah. Come on, Aaron. Get your head out of your ass. No, it makes sense. (laughs) Makes sense. No, it was the only reason I noticed that was because at the end of the movie, they move it from the 90s to the 2000s, like tracks. That's what like Rocket does whenever uh, they're they're choosing the playlist. Um, No, you're right. When we talked about it, they they talk about rocket and we've learned a lot about everyone's like, like trauma in this, in this, in this series, but rocket, like we've heard and like, it's been touched on, but it hasn't been like expanded on. And we've seen one of the, the craziest, one of the best villains, I think in Marvel history, I think we've seen, you see a lot of growth in every character in this damn movie. And yet I still had want for more. Like there is still that, like there is still more that could have been done in my mind. Yet this movie was still incredible. Hmm. And I thought it was very well done. Um, The one thing that annoyed me was the, uh, the star Lord and Gamora relationship that pissed me off so much that when I was watching that that was that's part of the 1.3 area of growth that they could have done i like, just wish at some point they would have thrown us a bone and been like yeah it's i get why why they did that it's gamora just, just gamora in the entire movie was just hurting my head yeah. i think that was just what hurt me the most was the whole gamora side of things um and then at one point i thought star lord was going to fall in love with uh the sister yeah 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 there was the side but then like you could tell uh nebula had a thing for nebula had a thing for um rocket it seemed like which was also weird or like what not like a thing thing she just liked him a lot like she cared for him more than she cared for peter quill although you finally understand that she they're like family not like that like brothers not like love love but like they're she treated them more like they were brothers and she never had had that that's what she's talking Mm -hmm. about like throughout the entire movie is like she never really had a family outside of Gamora and Gamora and her were always competing with one another with this group of people. She actually has a family. And so I think her and rocket come from the side of, we were both extremely tortured children. This is where we kind of like have that bond. And so I think that was more, yeah, that was more. So what I was trying to get at either way, there were a lot of similarities there between them. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the bio planet was weird. Like diving oh. into the oh that just grossed me out. <laughs> yeah, talk about my gag reflex acting up in that moment. Well, yeah. uh, um, no, but I thought this was the outside of the Spider-Man movie. This was the best movie we've seen since um, Endgame. When did the this Spider-Man is, movie come out? That would have been December of twenty twenty. Yeah, December of twenty twenty one. Yeah, so I mean they were so advertising it as the best Marvel movie this year and. It oh, certainly is. Um, sure. It passed two years. Yeah, past two since, years. There's no doubt about say it. Since the Spider-Man, that's probably right. I mean, it's 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 the last one, right? It's ended. So unless yeah, if, I mean, and they'll be involved in Avengers movies and stuff, maybe. Yeah, and then um who's the gold guy? Why am I blanking on his name? Oh yeah. Adam. Yeah, something Adam. Yeah. Either way. 
I like him. Made me mad, but oh, was, okay, I, cool. I was, I was glad that he came around at the end. Oh yeah, like that was the thing. I just for them to all realize, hey, we were all built by the same damn guy. Maybe we should all work together. Then maybe that was like the. So you think that was one of the best Marvel villains, that guy? Yes. You, well, you let me rephrase. Passed that. over that very quickly. Yeah, I think he is truly one of the best, like, Marvel villains we have. Uh, but just thinking he's, about it. He's the best villain in the Gardens of Galaxy series, hands down. Oh, yeah. Kurt Russell's character made me angry. Or Yeah. Like, I love Kurt Russell, but God, he was just hurting my head. And then um, Ronan in the first one. I think that was who it was. Yep. Um, didn't like him at all. But this guy was so much more fleshed out. You saw how where his true dysfunction and his true evil was. And I think I liked that. Because what a good superhero movie to me has great fleshed out characters and a great fleshed out hero. But also to have the, oh my God, the dysfunction and the evil that you see from the villain that's what's so great. That's what makes Gotta Dark Knight happen. such a great movie. That's what right. makes like the Infinity War Endgame movies so good because you see the fleshed out nature of these villains. Yep. Um, Iron Man, even like as much as you want, I want to hate uh, Jeff Bridges' character in that movie. Why am I blanket? Iron Maiden. God, what is God? Uh, <laughs> Tobias, no, it's not Tobias. What is are, it? Are, 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 are you talking about the Russian guy? No, that's the second one, Aaron. I mean, the first one. Oh, um, that guys, that guy's, yeah. The first one's the only good villain, the second and third villain are brutal. Obadiah, Obadiah Stane, damn it. Yes, that man. Oh, loved his, I love him as a villain, but you don't have that uh, in a lot of different Marvel movies, like Doctor Strange. I'm the big blooby gob glob or Lars Mikkelsen. <laughs> they were all right. Not great. Didn't love them. Um, the second one being Elizabeth Olsen and like being Scarlet Witch. I'm all right. Shang-Chi being your dad. I mean, I'm sorry. Deal with it. You have daddy issues. Um, I don't know. There's just the yeah. good ones. Thanos. Yes. Loki was entertaining. I think even though he's not a true villain, I thought that was really interesting because he's a villain in the first Avengers, right? That's that's what I'm saying. As a yeah, he's the true villain there, but his the way he goes about it, it's almost like an Ultron where there's like a humor there. Oh, Ultron is also on that list in every way possible. Just yeah, know. I yeah, I I like Ultron personally. Um, I thought he yeah. was hilarious. But yeah. um, that's what makes a villain. It's like going back to our conversation in college with the Gigolo. Oh, stop, stop, stop. We're not doing this again. You can make yourself actually relate to and somewhat uh, understand where a villain is coming from and why they did what they did, like Thanos' perspective. I thought was pretty interesting, that whole philosophical Mm. discussion. I thought the same way with Loki, like you can kind of relate to him, Ultron a bit, um, before he falls off the wheels. This guy, I think less so, but he was so evil and they did a nice job building his character that I thought he was a really good villain. But I think that's a crucial part of villain villains too. It's like, can you actually relate to them in some aspect? Like um, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, for example. Yeah, I think you have sympathy for him. 
Uh, whereas maybe you don't with Heath Ledger, but he's just such a good villain uh, and just great acting and whatever else. But um, I think the sympathy part is kind of a underrated aspect. I think both the last two um, Marvel movies, so Ant-Man and this, have had really good villains. Ant-Man 2? 3. 3. I've not seen that one. Not as good as Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That was, th- uh, what's that guy's name? Jonathan Majors. Yes. Yeah, he's a really good actor. And uh, he was very good in this movie. I very good. That one. Yeah. That, like, it's, it's definitely, that's like, that movie's like mid, like, it's 15 on my, on my list. It's definitely the best Ant-Man movie. I need to make a Marvel list. I, I in my head in the background has been my NBA top fifty list for the last few days, and how I'm, I'm how excited I am to make that once the season's over. I've like might get a start on it now, but I need to wait. Um, yeah, just wait till wait till the end of the year. Wait till the end of the year. It's so hard. It's just like everything's going in my head, like De'Aaron Fox or Jamal Murray. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Let's just chill on that. We know De'Aaron Fox. Come on now. It's um, very early stages. I'm still workshopping, but. Um, Marvel rankings are something that might be more difficult and require some more thought, but I, was I would say mention- that would be a, that would be a thing you have to like watch and watch rate again. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to watch and rate God. sophomore year again, watching all the Marvel 31 movies. this time though. It's 31 movies to fly through. I'm behind. It- I'm behind on that universe and the star Wars universe. They just keep coming out with too much content. Like I, th- I think they need to start pacing it out more personally. <laughs> Like how Game of Thrones did things and does things makes us want that content more, right? Because we we have the wait uh, the wait time, even like one episode a week. A lot of shows do that now, but like Game of Thrones is the, one of the first ones I watched that did that. Um, yeah. And just like the the, I don't know, they're not branching off too much now. Um, the way Star Wars and Marvel and DC are, it's just hard to keep up with with streaming. Everybody's wanting to create all the time. Yeah, I mean, Marvel. It's tough because sometimes you have to watch the shows. Star Wars, you don't have to watch the shows, which is nice, like to keep up with everything. Yeah, they're all like it's what it is. Star Wars is just good content for the. Nah, I take it back. It's just most of it's meh, and then you get some good stuff in there. Um, Obi Wan Mando, fantastic content, and uh, Andor is also very good. Give yourself some time with Andor. Just take I, the time ty- again. Take the time and do it. I've watched three episodes, have stalled out, and have not seen the new episode, uh, season of Mandalorian. I'm like, it's don't watch the. I, I I haven't watched the new season of Mandalorian either. I I watched the first episode. I was like, what am I doing here? Um, okay, I would do uh, it just for Pedro Pascal on the heels yeah. of Last of Us. I'm just. Oh, that, that's uh, Susanna is the same way. She she also thinks Nolan Arenado looks like Pedro Pascal. Honestly, not a bad take. No, don't <laughs> agree with her. Damn it. No, she, I do a little bit. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. All right. I mean, if I had to compare an athlete it's not, off the top of my head, that's not a bad take. Damn it. I hate this. I Go hate her. her. Wow. Look at that. That's a very Mitch like comparison. I like that. All right. Anyways, I'm done Nothing with talking. You would do. Yeah. We're done with talking about this and we're, we're done talking for the rest of the podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Thank you Go for, nug- for listening to this whole podcast. 
God, yeah, that's gonna be a long one. I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> we have a we have a three and a half hour ride to Kansas City this week, so uh, for the Memorial Day weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, go Nuggets in the finals. Um, we got a few. We have we have a few weeks until that starts. Doesn't it start? When does it start? The ninth. They have eight no. days from now. I think eight yeah. days. Eight days. I can't do math. Um, and then Celtics make the greatest comeback in NBA history. Why don't you? Um, Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Have a great rest of your week, guys.